I love a beautiful lawn. You love a beautiful lawn. Everybody loves a beautiful lawn, but they don't love how long it takes and how difficult it can be. And that is where True Green comes into play because it's the easiest and most affordable way to get that beautiful lawn. Let's be real. You've got plenty of other things to do in your free time than focus on your lawn care. So let True Green take care of all of that hard work while you get to do everything else that you want to do like go play golf. Here's what you need to do. Visit truegreen.com. Okay. It allows you to do you let them do the lawn care. And if you visit truegreen.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people, that is all guaranteed. You can trust true green to give you the best lawn because they are the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA tour. They offer a satisfaction guarantee and they have a verified best price promise, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. It's truegreen.com. Get started now. Freaking first cut. Welcome to the First Cut Podcast. I'm Rick Gaiman, and we're doing it. The live conversation, the PGA conversation, grading them, reviewing them, seeing where this all goes. It's happening right now, and joining me to do just that, Greg Ducharme is here. Gregor, it's good to see you. What's going on, boys? Hope everybody had a, a great Christmas, great holidays, safe travels. Uh, it was fun. I'm looking forward to this conversation, though. Adorned with his uh, brand new trophy emoji, which indicates he is our reigning trivia champion. That right there, Patrick McDonald. Patrick, hello. What's going on, guys? Yeah, it's been uh, it's been a fun week home for me. A champion's welcome. I know uh, some of you <laughs> might have seen the videos out of Argentina of them coming back. It was pretty similar here in the D.C. area, but uh, happy to talk to you guys today. Yeah, what so, did, glad, what did, so glad for you. What did you serve for uh, <laughs> ch- Champions Dinner? I assume you got to choose the menu and all that. Uh, yeah, I mean, I got a little Italian blood in me, so just a good old hearty Italian meal for uh, McDonald family. <laughs> Kyle Kyle Porter is here. KP, tough scene, bud. Yeah, I tried to I tried to bemoan to my family, my wife and kids about my loss. <laughs> they didn't care as much about Xander Shoffley being the 2017 Rookie of the Year as I did. <laughs> uh, so I didn't get a lot of sympathy around here for uh, for what was there? By the way, what was everybody's favorite Christmas gift that they? How about your favorite Christmas gift that you gave instead of that you got? Ooh. Okay. All right. Um, I got one. My okay. mom and sister, there are these digital frames called Aura frames where you can load unlimited photos. Uh, and I gave one to my sister who lives in Austin, Texas, one to my mom. And we have one at our house too. And you can share photos. And so whenever my wife uploads some, they can see them too with the kids oh. and stuff like that. It's a really, it's really cool. That was uh, definitely my top snazzy Patrick. Yeah, very cool. Um, yeah. So my dad's like a big snore. Like <laughs> you can hear it from like rooms away. So we gave, I gave my mom a headband that has Bluetooth in it. So, uh-huh. oh, so not, not addressing the problem, just, uh, having everybody else, you know, a bandaid, a band deal with it. <laughs> right. <laughs> Smart. Smart. I can't see any problems there. Um, we are not huge gift givers, but and KP, you might you might be with the children. You might be aware of this. We I got my wife 
uh, one of the adult Lego like um, orchids. She's yeah. a big puzzler, and she will not like she will not sleep until the puzzle is complete, until the Lego is complete. But I'm worried that I've now opened up a can of worms into a very expensive uh, Lego world that I'm not sure I want to be a part of. It, it it does get <laughs> I mean the good news for you is there's not four of them running around like yeah. like like with me uh, <laughs> there's just one wife <laughs> it is an expensive it is an expensive world though it's it's kind of shockingly expensive you look at the box and you're like I don't know what what can that cost it's like it's like the uh remember the arrested development what's a banana like eight bucks <laughs> ten bucks <laughs> uh, well the you- other the other good thing for you Rick is your wife probably not leaving them all over the floor you don't yeah, have to deal with stepping on them right, right. all that stuff yeah, yeah exactly. totally uh it, it does get it does uh it, it, the price seems to to go up quickly um i think i think mine was probably i found this uh <clears throat> so my my eight year or i guess he's nine now just turned nine my nine-year-old son uh he is very into uh, he loves Jamar Chase and Justin Jefferson. Mm. So we got him this oh, yeah. uh we got him this hoodie of both of them doing the gritty on the hoodie. Nice. Oh, if I can find it, I'll sh- I'll share it on the screen, but he was he was pretty pumped about that. He thought that was a pretty cool thing. Do you uh do you gritty Kyle? I mean, I do. Yeah, <laughs> we we got this game. Another fun. Share thing that about. on the screen. I'm gonna need a video. <laughs> yeah, I, I I will share. I will text a video. I will not share a video. Uh, we got a game called Can Jam. Have you guys ever played Can Jam? Great. Yeah, kind love. Oh yeah. Wait, is that the frisbee? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Describe so how that we, works again. So it's it's basically two mini trash cans that have like a mail slot in the okay. front, right? And you're trying to uh, do you're trying to throw the frisbee and either throw it in the mail slot, which is impossible, <laughs> or get it kind of it's an open top, and your partner can slam it in or hit the side with the frisbee. So it's a partner game. You get two people going at the same time. And me and my six year old son yesterday, we beat the adult. We beat the like my wife and her dad and he started he like hit the gritty right after we won yeah, he, was going, he was going nuts like just running around the yard doing the gritty <laughs> so i did it with him so if we do it again today i'll share video of it oh so good uh i I'm, i've been banned from grittying in this household it's apparently not it's apparently not pretty <laughs> <laughs> I don't have a great segue back to live on this one. I usually, no, no, I usually no. can pull them out. But uh, all right. So this is the conversation that we have kind of been, you know, attempting to have for a long time. What I want to kind of do here is zoom out a little bit because it's very easy for us, Patrick, to be in the day to day. Oh, my gosh. Another rumor, another announcement, another tournament. We're at a spot where we can zoom out, uh, look back to a year ago say is live where we are are they at where we thought they would be are they ahead are they behind and try to look at this from kind of a zoomed out thirty thousand foot view yeah it's kind of crazy to think that like the saudi international was played this year it seems like it wasn't (laughs) right right pebble beach and the quid pro quo thing back in february i think that's kind of what got the conversation rolling among the masses with uh i think it was what the 
not the waiver wire, but uh, the releases, right, that the PGA Tour had assigned for those guys to play over there. They got their cash grab. They had to play in the uh, AT&T Pebble Beach three out of the next five years or something. And then, yeah, February was a big month. Uh, Charlie Hoffman, the rules thing at waste management, and then him shooting 80 the next day in all green. Uh, zoomed out, I think, live from a macro perspective. I, I think the first year they're happy with, there's obviously a lot of changes that need, need to be made. There's a lot of things that still need to go their way. I think the big ones, obviously, the TV contract in the United States, that's definitely number one on their agenda. But from who they've gotten to play for them uh, in the product, the quality of the product, I think overall they have to be happy with how year one went. Let's start with the roster. Uh, not just my opinion, Greg, probably your opinion and the opinion of McKinsey, who did the consulting for Liv, that this <laughs> is pretty much driven by which golfers you get. And if you can get the guys that are the best in the world or the ones that people care about the most, uh, that is your path to success in however you want to define success. So the roster, um, you know, has been changing over the course of the first eight events, but they get Dustin Johnson, Cam Smith, Abe Anser, Brooks Kepka, Joaquin Neiman, amongst many others like Bryson DeChambeau, Phil Mickelson, so on and so forth. Um, how does this roster kind of shape up to what you thought they were going to get maybe a year ago and how does it look heading into 2023 well there are a number of players for sure um and you put the stenson and the rose and the Poulter and the mcdowell and phil right and, and that kind of class of player who seemed to be on the tail end of their career it made a ton of sense for and i think it was quite predictable now maybe there are some that you didn't expect to go some that uh, you thought might and didn't like a, like a Justin Rose or uh, somebody like that. They uh, other players that fit that mold that didn't decide to go. Uh, so I, I think from that perspective, that made a lot of sense. Um, the surprises to me would be a Dustin Johnson, a Brooks Kepka, a Bryson DeChambeau and a Cam Smith. Uh, and you may even throw in Joaquin Neiman in there too. Uh, those are kind of the younger players who seemingly still had a lot of legacy to play for, a lot of opportunity to contend and win major championships, a lot of uh, opportunity to, you know, some of them, I mean, maybe become Hall of Fame players. And you wonder, you know, you question their decision. You know, what's their real motive at, at the end of the day? Do they think they can still get in the Hall of Fame um, going down this road and, and that may not apply to a Dustin Johnson, but, um, you don't know what a, what a hall of fame kind of situation is going to come up as a result of this. And I, I, that's not even on the forethought of anybody's mind. I mean, how will the hall of fame handle it? The majors have really been, um, much more front and center with this, but then also what are their, what are their real intentions in playing golf? What are their um, motives behind it? Are they looking to earn as much money as possible? Are they looking to win as many majors as possible? You know, for the first time ever, the intention of the golfer was really brought into light and brought into question. And we haven't seen that before. I mean, you always assume, well, yeah, these guys want to win as much as they can. They want to win majors. They want, they have their variations of goals, but they're almost always, 
um, about the trophies and they're very rarely about the dollars. And all of a sudden the dollars got thrown into the mix. So I would say there were some surprises, but a large majority of their roster, I think was somewhat predictable when the whole model came to light. Lost in the major championship conversation, Kyle lost in the OWGR conversation, lost in live announcing new spots for next year is this idea that I keep going back to that the roster as it is today, like that cannot be the roster moving forward. There's going to have to be a constant pilfering from the PGA tour or a constant addition from the amateur or collegiate ranks. I I mean, Greg mentioned some of the guys that are at the end of their careers, McDowell and Poulter and Casey and Stenson, these guys that are going to be phased out of golf in the next couple of years. Like, this roster needs to be a living, breathing thing. Yeah, you know, it's interesting because it's so different than like think about if this was happening in college basketball or college or, or excuse me, in basketball or football. And you've got guys that coming out of college are, are household names that can kind of buoy your league, right? It, when a when a when a uh, Cade Cunningham comes out or a uh, even like a Josh Allen who wasn't he didn't play at a at a big time school but he was like a big time name if you if if there's an alternative league for those guys then all of a sudden that league gets buoyed by by bringing them into it that's not true in golf because college golf is not it it doesn't matter like it it, i mean it matters but it doesn't it's not um it's not a household it it doesn't make you a household name and so the only thing that and this is what i think is really interesting the only thing that makes you a household name the only thing that makes you famous enough or important enough to to really matter for a league to have you is winning a major championship it doesn't really matter if you've won seven times on the PGA tour. I mean, it kind of does, but not really for, I mean, it it does matter, but not for the purposes that we're talking about, which is like standing up a league around you. Right. And so how does live go about getting, I mean, they did it like the, the playbook for them is cam Smith. Like you want as many cam Smiths as possible, where it's like this guy just won a major, let's give him a hundred million dollars or I don't know, $150 million dollars. Now we've we now we can stand up a league around those guys. And can they continue to do that? I, I agree with I can't remember who said it. I think it was Patrick lives f- farther along than certainly I thought they would be this time a year ago, even six months ago. I mean, they, they really did a good job of bringing in people that matter in terms of attention and, and um, in terms of people like paying attention to them, but they also spend $800 million to do it. And I get that the, the, the fund is unlimited is what people keep saying, but how unlimited is it? Like they, they don't want to just lose money forever. And so I think the next two or three years are very crucial for both live and the PGA tour. They've got this runway apparently into whatever it is, 2025, I think. And, you know, can they keep grabbing Cam Smith? And if not, then I I don't know that live is going to exist 10 or 15 years from now. Sorry. Um, I, I was just going to say um, a couple things on what you were saying there, Kyle. Um, one with the college thing. Like, think about what we did in our last episode. 
the trivia question was about Haskins award winners. Yeah. Right. And, and I consider myself a pretty knowledgeable golf fan and I'm wrong on the very first question, <laughs> right? Col- college golf is not a household situation. And even when Colin Morikawa and Matt Wolf and Victor Hovland come onto the scene, they come onto the scene because of what they do when they get to the professional rank. They don't come on the scene because of what they did in the college rank. Once they get on the professional scene, we look back at what they did in college. Yeah. So, okay, this was this is where this guy's coming from. But we're not following them as freshmen in college saying, oh, watch out. Maybe for a Tiger Woods. Maybe for somebody like – but that is extremely rare. So I think mm-hmm. that's a – you know, an item of concern. And then the other question that comes to my mind with this roster is, is it the players that Matt, the, the Cam Smiths, do, does the, do the Cam Smiths matter or is it the tension that Cam Smith might be leaving? Is that what really matters? Because all of a sudden he's there and are we getting, uh, is Liv getting the results from that? So in in this kind of other question, yeah, you have these players who matter to us on as PGA Tour fans, but do they matter to the general public enough to get them to go watch live golf? Well, I, I think that's fascinating. Well, and the weirdest part about all of it is it's almost like it's almost like uh, if you created another G League and G and the G leagues were just trading guys back and forth. <laughs> One G league got this guy. And it's like your, your league that isn't even really like the top, right? It's, it's the majors that are still above you. And so I think that's another weird thing that's in play is and and a lot of people learned this year that the PGA tour does not run the four majors, right? That was a joke amongst us kind of like inside baseball thing before this year. And now it's like, <laughs> actually this is how things work and the majors just i mean they're certainly elevated in importance this year but they also they just sort of like preside over everything to where what we're arguing about on the pga tour and live it's like those aren't even this isn't even the most important thing in golf which is just kind of another weird wrinkle to this whole thing there's a lot to follow up on in what greg mentioned patrick which is like um how how much does it matter and who does it matter to losing Bryson DeChambeau at the time, big time mattered, right? We were like, holy crap, that's crazy. He's a young guy. He's a major champion. Like that's, that's actually nuts. I'm not sure the casual golf fan could tell you what Bryson's results on live were. I'm not sure I could without like going and, and looking it up, right? Like it, it, there's this weird issue and maybe it's just because it's kind of hard to watch if you're not, watching it if you're not willing to throw it on youtube or whatever there's just like this weird disconnect of maybe how much it mattered to the pga tour to lose bryson versus the incremental improvement live got from having bryson yeah i think honestly like the live live results to them they don't really matter right they're bringing in this big personality that is bryson dechambeau he has a big following on social media he has a great youtube channel all this stuff uh, that that's what they want from the guy, right? Dustin Johnson's a big name. People still like to go out and watch Dustin Johnson mash drives. Cameron Smith, right? He's kind of a, a less stuffy version of the average modern golfer, right? He has uh, the mullet. He, he talks about getting drunk with his pals. There's videos of him in the pub slamming beers. That's kind of what 
I think Liv is shooting for, right? They they don't really care about the results of their tournaments. Is it nice that Brooks Kepka wins a tournament? Absolutely. That Cam Smith, Dustin Johnson. Yes, absolutely. But I think it's just more gravy on top of the personalities and the star power that they're trying to attract. Uh, for those wondering, Bryson DeChambeau finished 21st in the points race. Two 10th place finishes were his uh, best results in six, six starts for Liv. Greg, as we transition to... 2023 obviously eight events in 2022 they've got 14 on the schedule for 2023 this is kind of a a weird little time right the a a a true off season something that the pga tour doesn't really get which is good and bad uh the pga tour even if you are not a huge fan of the fall portion of the schedule it, it there is something on basically every single week but that also probably stops the PGA Tour from making a lot of wholesale huge changes because you'd have to do everything on the fly. Liv could come back in February and say, okay, these are now 72 whole events and we've got 100 players and we've got X, Y, and Z. And having a little bit of an offseason to be able to do that makes for an interesting kind of situation. Yeah, I think that's a good point. Um, but, it, you know it's a very different thing in the game of golf. Like you think of what happens in the off season in the NFL and they're the league is having meetings about player safety and they're going to change rules and they're going to review film with the reps and they're going to go through all these different scenarios to cover their key bullet points. The, the changes we need to make for next season, but in golf, because each tournament in a way is uh, self enclosed it's it starts and ends it starts on thursday it ends on sunday you can make changes on the fly much easier uh, because you have to have it installed by the next thursday mm-hmm. doesn't mean you have to start the planning on sunday or you can be planning now and install something in march to help make the product better and it doesn't have the same connection to the uh effect on the competition as it would in some other sports um, you're also you're, you're not really changing the style of play. But all that being said, with the FedEx Cup and uh, kind of the importance of the season long race in golf, which is, you know, in the grand scheme of things, a new concept started in 2007. Right? That it's a fairly new concept. It does complicate that a little bit. Um, so I, I am very curious about the offseason in in golf. Uh, I'm curious about it for live. Uh, I'm I'm curious about it because of the attention that you likely won't see in the game of golf. And, and I think we've seen that this year, this off season has been, it seems a little longer to me um, for some reason. And it's probably not, but you had a lot of tiger stuff in there and it kind of changed things a, a little bit. Um, but it took a lot of attention away from the PGA tour. In other sports, there's a lot of attention during the offseason. There's trades and drafts and combines and scouting young college players, and golf doesn't really have that. So will Liv be able to create that kind of buzz around their 14-event schedule? I, I I don't really know. I mean, there's been a big slowdown in players moving from the PGA Tour to Liv. Whether that's because Liv ran out of spots or because players aren't interested in going anymore or whatever that, that reason is, 
it doesn't really matter. The point is there's no more rumors really going around. Uh, and, and they've, that's been their fuel for the entire part of their journey so far is who's going, who's not. And that controversy has created all the buzz around live. So how are they going to survive an off season if there's not that kind of buzz? Um, and, and I'm curious to see what they, uh, what they do to handle that. There's kind of a, ma- a massive lit- litmus test coming Kyle of whether this is a novelty, we know one of the most viewed, and, and really the only thing we have is is the YouTube numbers. One of the most viewed uh, events for Live was its first event, and then there was a time where you know event after event viewership was down and down. Is it a novelty? Were people tuning in because they wanted to see what was going on? Um, does that extend into season two when they kick off in February, which will be? They've done a good job here. I mean, it's going to be the week of the Honda Classic, but their first two events are sandwiched between Riviera and Bay Hill. And then their second event is sandwiched between the players and the match play. Like, we're, we're going to find out if anybody cares. I, I think, well, yeah, I mean, yes. <laughs> I think one, I guess, question I have, and, and maybe – and maybe you can try to answer it, Rick, is who, who is, who, who's the target audience here? Like who are, who are they trying to, to, I, I think one thing that they've purported themselves to be doing is to like be bringing in a bunch of new people to golf. And it's like, <laughs> oh, okay. I, I, I don't, it's, it's extraordinarily difficult, I think, to convert a, non-golf fan into a regular season golf fan you could get you could rope i could rope somebody into the masters right because i could contextualize and say hey here's what this means i could maybe rope somebody into like a u.s open am i gonna rope somebody into like the live bangkok event i mean what, what what am i what am i watching what am i experiencing there so i'm curious about who their target audience even is well, I think who it is and who they want it to be is different. The PGA Tour has this problem too. The PGA Tour has two for sure, for sure, two completely different fan bases. My dad and me, and they do not get serviced in the same way. Lives, I believe, current fan base is uh, skews younger, <laughs> skews younger, easier. Who want a little, a little more relaxed stuff and can watch it on YouTube. Well, I'm not sure my dad could find a live round of golf to watch if he wanted to. So it's kind of weird. Now, when they start, if they start paying for time on Fox Sports or wherever it was reported that they that they were going to be paying time on, um, does that change things? But we also know, Kyle, the other problem is in this sport, the reason that that younger demo doesn't always get service is because it's not a necessarily disposable income spending Mm -hmm. demographic. There's a reason why the commercials are for Rolex and Workday and what, like all this other stuff that I like, that doesn't interest me at all. So it's a, it's also going to be very tough for live to kind of capture dollars from their audience. Well, I, I think you, I think you bring up a good point. I think live did two things that were beneficial for to the PGA tour, if they were paying attention, one, they, um, they, they cut down the, the, 
the white space, so to speak, throughout a day. They made the round shorter. And I, the shotgun start thing is like not ideal for from just like a, a uh, it, it's not gr- great, but it did. It, it made the rounds short and consumable. And, and, I, and I thought that that was really good. And I think the other thing that they did is they forced the PGA tour into this idea of like, because Liv has no context at all, I don't know what Eugenio Chikara winning. What did he win? Bangkok or, or Jetta or whatever? Bangkok, I think. Bangkok. Bangkok. I, that doesn't mean anything. It means, I mean, you could have told me he won the Portugal Masters, and it would mean the exact same thing. It just, I, I, I don't, I don't. It doesn't have any context at all. And I think that that sort of forced the PGA Tour's hand of like we our competitive advantage is being able to provide context around uh, these events that we have and they've done a i think the pga tour has done a bad job of that over the last 10 15 20 years in that they just kept trying to create more events and that's how you end up with 44 events half of which don't really mean that much and the others get diluted because you have you know, 44 events and they forced the PGA tour's hand in that Rory and tiger and whoever were like, Hey, we're playing these 13 events in 2023. And now there's real context around like the Phoenix open is meaningful. The Memorial is meaningful, you know, and I wish they'd take it a step further. And I know some other people have been big on this idea and say, Hey, these events are the only ones that are getting FedEx cup points. And that makes the, the FedEx cup playoffs even more, you know, uh, contextualized and meaningful. I just think the PGA tour has to lean into that because live can't lean on it at all because they don't, they don't, they don't obtain it. They don't possess any of that context whatsoever. Uh, to put a bow on reach, Patrick, again, this is, uh, we can only use the YouTube information here because that's the place you have to, you have to watch live golf. So their best, YouTube stream ever, which was live Boston final round. It did 878,000 views. I don't know if that's good or bad, right? I would love 878,000 views, but just to put this into perspective, uh, Bryson DeChambeau on his own channel, his what's in the bag did 868,000 CBS sports, uh, HQ YouTube channel was something similar was the Stipe Miocic and Daniel Cormier UFC 252 highlights. And then good, good, the uh, massive content creation golf brand has uh, 68 different videos with more views than that. So I I don't know if it's good, bad, indifferent. Those are the comps. I think it's important to know that they're on TV internationally as well, right? It's not just YouTube. Um, So yeah, the numbers are obviously not fully there. But for their reach, like, first off, Live Boston final round was kind of a banger, not going to lie, um, with Dustin that Johnson. That was the DJ one, play. right? Yeah. It, was, it, was, it was good. Yeah, it, it was a good one. Uh, but their reach is they, they need to lean into, and the schedule for the second season disappointed me in this aspect, was they need to lean into the international, right? They need to be the world tour, and, I mean – look at the PGA tour. They've kind of beaten them at their own game. I feel like with all these pathways they are creating with Japan, India, Korea, mm-hmm. if, if Liv was smart, they would have kind of gone to those markets in year two. And they only have one Australian event. They have one in Mexico, but 
they're leaving South Africa out of the mix. They're leaving some of Asia out of the mix. And I, I just wish they would have done that. I think it would have been a more successful product, even though, yeah, those YouTube numbers might have suffered just because, let's be honest, like Kyle said, I'm probably not staying up to watch Live Bangkok. Um, but uh, there's a lot of people in Asia, a lot of people in China, a lot of people in India. And I, I felt like they kind of ignored those audiences in, in year two with the schedule. Seven events announced, Greg. Mayakoba, Tucson, Adelaide, Singapore, Tulsa, Valderrama, Greenbrier. Couple of Tulsa. Tulsa, baby. Cedar That's Ridge. where you're you create a global tour and you're going to Tulsa. <laughs> it's one of the top 100 courses in America, Kyle. <laughs> According to whom? According to the Live Golf website. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> uh there, there are a couple of places we've seen on here, Greg. El Chameleon, Mayakoba. That's now yeah, a live, live golf stop. Uh, the old white golf course. That's Greenbrier. That was a, an old PGA Tour event. It hasn't been around in a couple of years. Uh, now a live event. Valderrama has obviously been uh, an event and a course that we've seen globally, especially for the DP World Tour. So we're, we're going to get some familiar places, but we've got seven out of, I guess this is half of the events that they're going to have next year have been announced so far. Yes. Um, and I, I do think... Uh, Mayakoba is very interesting just because you don't know what the PGA tour is going to do in response to that. Uh, if anything, I just find it to be interesting. Um, but the schedule thing, like what Patrick was saying, I, I find this to be a very difficult concept. You have a global tour. Um, and Patrick mentioned a couple places that were left out. If you're going to have a global tour and you're going to, you're, and you're going to have 14 events, places are going to get left out. Um, and, and so you don't have this central area of a core who follows you. And in American sports, they're based in America. And when they grow big enough, like the NFL, where you have such a loyal following and you put a game in London, people will wake up earlier and alter their schedule to go find it. Uh, but are you going to alter your schedule every single week at a varying time to find uh, a new golf event with no context and no meaning in Bangkok, in Australia, in South Africa, in, uh, I mean, who knows where else, all, all over the world. It, when it varies as much as it does, do you lose the ability to create a core? And I, I mean, my philosophy on, on viewership is you create a really loyal core fan base. And once that's established, you start to expand uh, outward and your core will still follow it around. And then you can attract some new people with it. So I, I think they're kind of caught in the middle here where to start a global tour where you're spread out all over the world and you have one event in Australia, is an Australian going to see one event and then all of a sudden get hooked on live and watch them play wherever they are in the U.S.? Because if you're in Australia and you're watching an event in the U.S., it's a difficult time zone. So every time you move around different time zones, your audience has to follow it and has to find it. And I think that's a really challenging thing to develop a, a core fan base. So ultimately, I mean, I think they're trying to build a core in the U.S. That's where they have the most events. And, and they have, uh, you know, a multitude of events in the U.S., whereas everywhere else you're getting one at the max. And I think that's a I think that's a real challenge. 
Did you know that while over 60% of Americans dream of starting their own business, less than 20% of them take the first step? The reason? Building a business is tough. Taylor Brands is simplifying the business journey. From launching and managing to growing your business, Taylor Brands isn't just another tool. It's your online business partner from launch to success. With Taylor Brands, building your dream business becomes an effortless experience. Their comprehensive platform guides you through every step, ensuring you have everything you need in one place. From LLC formation to bookkeeping, invoicing to acquiring licenses and permits, and even setting up your bank account, Taylor Brands handles it all seamlessly. And our listeners will receive 35% off Taylor Brands LLC formation plans using our link, taylorbrands.com slash Sports. That's T-A-I-L-O-R-B-R-A-N-D-S dot com slash CBS Sports. So start your business journey today with Taylor Brands. Yeah, it, they're almost operating as if um, they're almost operating as if they're the top, like the top, the clear cut top tour. Yes, I'm glad right. you're going down this road because I, I, Greg said they feel like they're stuck in the middle, which is kind of something I agree with. Where are you headed with this, KP? Well, I, I just, I think that if, if listen, like if you're the, 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 the irony here is if you're the PGA tour, you can go do all this stuff. You can go to Japan, you can go to Australia and people are going to, as long as you, I mean, the, the, the thing that unlocks all this for the PGA tour is all the stars playing together at the same time that, that, that has been and again, this goes back to the PGA Tour's inability to or, or, or their negligence when it comes to creating too many events. I mean, listen, like I love I don't know if I love I appreciate the John Deere for what it is. I appreciate the 3M for what it is. You want to be the top freaking tour? Take your stars and go to Beijing. Take your stars and go to uh, go to Australia. Right? I mean, this is this is the this is what tennis does. This is what F one does. And I just I, I think that you can unlock. I, I think that the PGA Tour a little bit. I know I keep focusing on them, um, but I think the PGA Tour a little bit is stuck in this like like is is the John Deere the best you can do with the biggest golf stars in the world. You know, like I, I just I feel like that's kind of weak. It's kind of soft. Like go do something with these global star. Rory McIlroy is a global star. John Rahm is a global star. You can go and 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 bring in revenue, not just from people coming to watch, but from sponsors who want to be a part of this PGA Tour thing globally. And I almost feel like that's what Liv is is kind of trying to do by spreading out. But they don't have the stars to be able to do it, right? They they have five stars and nobody else. And it's like it, it, uh, Greg mentioned going out of your way to watch an NFL London event. Nobody's going to go out of their way to watch any Liv event because they don't have anybody worth watching. And I, and I almost feel like they're trying to operate like that, but then they're also going to Tulsa and Tucson. It's a really weird, and I get that it's hard to like when you're a startup like that, but it's kind of a weird schedule. But even just to one step farther on that, on is there somebody worth watching? I mean, think about what you talked about earlier, Kyle, with the audience of trying to get new golf, new golf fans involved a younger golf audience involved. So take myself. I'm not a big soccer fan. Um, The World Cup is an event I may turn on. 
But I don't know who – beyond Messi and Ronaldo, I don't know any soccer players. Yeah, I'm not same. turning that on because of the players that are on the field, but I turn it on because the World Cup only happens uh, once every four years, and the World Cup has this rich history, and you know how much the world cares about it. And, and I know that the world cares about the Masters. I know the world cares about the U.S. Open I'm not sure we're at a point yet where the world cares about the FedEx Cup. Uh, I, I, there are many other events on the PGA <laughs> Tour I'm not sure the world cares about, but maybe at some point they will. But the the thing is, if new golf fans, they don't really know the stars. They watch for uh, relevance and for meaning more than people. And I, I don't know how Liv creates that. Kind of an interesting bridge. I think Liv and Greg, you kind of said this a little bit earlier, like st- they're stuck in the middle. And, and Patrick, the, di- the disconnect for me is that out of one side of your mouth, Liv is, you know, the greatest thing ever created, the largest purses. We have the guys that you care about, the richest championships, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Yet we still won't schedule against any of the top events on the PGA Tour because because why? Because you're not the big dog. Like, why Why are you – that says to me you're not the big dog, right? Like, if you didn't care and scheduled against Bay Hill, go for it. Here are the events they're going to compete against. Honda, Valspar, Zurich, Mexico, Byron Nelson, Rocket Mortgage, Wyndham. That is not a coincidence. I think it's good strategy, but you can't tell me you're the big dog when you won't go up against the big dogs. Well, to, real quick to add to that, Patrick – and this is probably what I was trying to say earlier, go to New York city, go to, go to Chicago. You're going to Tulsa and Tucson. Like you're, you're, you're almost, you're, and this is what Greg was referencing. You're stuck in the middle and that you're almost recreating the, the, uh, kind of, um, small town PGA tour, uh, like feel good stuff or you're, I get, I don't know what you're trying to do there, but then you're also going international. They're like, it's like, they don't know what they want to be. Sorry. Go ahead, Patrick. No, you're fine. Yeah, they should be like the circuit, uh, Cirque du Soleil. Major cities only. I agree with you, Tulsa. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. My, my, my earphone might have died. Um, I okay. I got one alive still. But, <laughs> yeah, major cities only. Tulsa's a real head-scratcher. I honestly didn't even know they were on the list. Uh, but, yeah, like to Rick's point about the scheduling – they're playing politicians essentially, right? They're saying one thing and then they're doing another thing. I, I don't think that's surprising in the slightest, right? It, it's smart to go against the Rocket Mortgage Classic and these smaller tier tournaments. And then almost to Kyle's point about context being the PGA Tours, you know, one of the greater assets that it has, with these smaller tournaments, it's it's almost hindering them, right? Just because they have those relationships with the communities already with the John Deere classic, where if you pull the plug on that, the backlash probably won't be great to begin with. Right. I agree with you that I think they should go international more often. I think it'd be great if the PGA tour returned to Australia. They haven't done that since early 2000, but it's tough where you've been with the community for so so long and they do give back a a ton of money uh, to charities and local organizations where it's tough to kind of sever those ties. Yeah. The thing that I think we got the most right, Greg, 
This is pat yourself on the back time. Uh, the Love one thing, that. the one thing, yeah, great victory lap opportunity here. The one thing that is going exactly as expected is the OWGR situation for Liv, which uh, block out all the noise from what you've heard over the last year. This is exactly how we kind of expected it to go. That uh, the OWGR board was event, was going to review the application. It was probably going to take a long time. And during that process, these guys were going to drop significantly down the rankings. They were going to lose out on major championships. And then we said, you know what? These majors probably aren't going to do anything about it. And Augusta National announced what, I, what was that last week, the week before. Criteria is the same. If you're in, you're in, you're out, you're out, which it's this is not Augusta National's fight to fight. Right. And this is going exactly as everyone anticipated it would. No. And um, considering the roster, which we talked about earlier, you have a number of Masters champions on that list, uh, which I'm sure was a big part of the design. So for the Masters is in kind of a tough position there because in order, I mean, how many guys got in to the Masters or are set to? that didn't win just on OWGR. It's like th- three or four guys. Um, yeah. So it, it's a very small number. Yeah. So if you if you go the OWGR, if you change the official world golf ranking criteria, it's very clear you're just – well, not necessarily very clear, but you're, you're trying to get a couple of guys out. You're getting out very few. And now you have to change your ultimate traditional – criteria which is your lifelong invitation if you win you have to change that in order to get live players out um it it's just a very complicated thing but if the owgr goes the way that um that at least the pga tour hopes and and uh, live players don't get owgr points those players will start to phase out and you'll have your past champions there but you won't have yeah, Eugenio Chicaro there. You won't have uh, some of these other up-and-coming younger players who haven't won a Masters. And and all of a sudden, that number will go down and down and down. And Augusta National can kind of take themselves out of the situation. Because if they do anything, it will look like it's a uh, purely an anti-live move. And, and there's a chance that that hurts their uh, it, it, that it hurts the brand that is the Masters. So I, I think they did the right thing. And then look, the other two majors are open. Two of the other three majors are opens. And yeah. true, truly opens. They're truly open. And regardless of what happens with OWGR points, you can go qualify for the Open Championship. <laughs> and if you're Eugenio Chikara, just to, because he's not a guy who has any uh, exemptions for anything, then and if you're that really that good, you can go qualify. And for the opens to say, well, you can't do that if you're a live player would be a really bad move in my opinion. So the one that stands out to me is the PGA Championship. Um, I don't know how many live players are going to get into that because they don't go on OWGR points; they go on. Mm-hmm. Uh, PGA championship points, which are connected directly to the PGA tour. Uh, so they're going to have a really hard time getting in if they're not already exempt from uh, another major championship victory. The 
The inaction from Augusta National, Kyle, um, I saw some people saying that's a big win for Liv. I would argue that's a huge loss for for Liv, right? I mean, yes, you get like 16 guys that are going to be in it in 2023, but that number is going to drop significantly over the course of the next couple of years. What If you're Liv, you wanted Augusta National to rewrite the rules to say top 50 in the OWGR, past champions, et cetera, et cetera. Oh, and by the way, top six from the Liv point system or some something like that. That's that is um, something that if it doesn't change long term, is you're just ne- you're just not going to see anybody from Live play the Masters who has not won it. Yeah, that's right. And I guess I guess the national, well, all these organizations, but especially I guess the national and the PGA of America are in a weird spot because <clears throat> to have the best field, I think you would say like you would want one of the top like if you look at the at the other top let's say six tours in the world you say there's a reasonable way to kind of get players play yourself into the masters right if you if you look at even the european tour that is kind of dwindled a little bit you say hey if you win some tournaments on the on the european tour or you have some high finishes you're going to be in the top 50 of the owgr there's a pretty easy well quote unquote easy path into the masters the the problem now is if you're a live player, you could win seven tournaments in a row, uh, and it it doesn't. You're not getting into the Masters, and now the, now Augusta National is faced with the tension between that and the fact that they're one of the organizations that runs the OWGR, right? And so do you. <laughs> do you like cut your own knees out by saying, well, we're going to give exemptions to the top four or five or whatever live players, which I think is a pretty reasonable thing to do. These are still really good players and you're, you're not really going to probably get anybody in there that wouldn't already be in DJ is going to be a top five player on live. He, he would already be in the masters, you know? Um, or do you say, but if you do that, you're sort of undermining your role running the OWGR where you're saying, oh, this is not a legitimate league. You know, like they're, they're in a and, and not just Augusta National, but all these organizations, the major championship organizations that run the OWGR are in a weird spot there. And I think that's where it goes back to like the, the golf not having a, a like a governing body. I mean, imagine if the NFL was run by five different, six different organizations. Yeah, the Canadian be, Football League, the Arena Football League, the NCAA. The NFL, it would be, it would be, it would be. <laughs> or like the AFC East, the NFC yeah. East. Yeah. The, it, right, exactly. All the divisions are running. It would be chaotic. Yeah. I, Jerry, I actually think, Jerry Jones is like, you know, you know, touting for all this other stuff, and he's going up against, you know, the head of the NCAA. It'd be nuts. For sure, the Greg Norman of the NFL would be Jerry Jones. <laughs> it, would be, it would be chaotic, right? And I actually think golf is about the least chaotic it could be given how many different chefs are in the are in the kitchen it, it's just i think i think people don't realize how many organizations and people and ceos and everything are, are involved in all this and it really i don't know if it's a blind spot but it certainly came to light in 2022 well that that's kind of the the thing here patrick is um they're they're closely connected enough that the best course of action for most of these organizations is inaction, which 
when the status quo doesn't change, uh, obviously it's going to end up hurting the live guys disproportionately because they're not getting OWGR points or if it takes another year to get them the points and then all the governing bodies look at each other and say, okay, well, they're, they're getting OWGR points. You know, we can wipe our hands with this, but the current crop of live guys have dropped so far. It's not going to matter. Maybe it helps the future live guys, right? You know, Phil Mickelson crawled. So Chikara could, could walk right type of deal, but inaction is the best course of action right now for these guys. Exactly. I mean, I think if you look at the list of winners from live existing, you kind of think about those middle of the pack players like uh, Jason Kokrak or Hudson Swafford, but I think right behind them are the four major championships, right? They've done nothing. And suddenly their importance has only grown. So they really don't have any incentive to do anything different. Maybe down the road when those players like uh, a Bryson, his exemption runs out from his U S open victory, maybe down the road, they change something, but right now for for the, you know, next couple of years, like you said, Rick, they really don't need to do anything. And I mean, the four of them, those four weeks are really the only weeks that matter on the golf schedule. It seems like here's the invite list. And, um, April's going to be sick, Greg. Here, here are the live golfers who are, I think there's 16 of them right now going to be playing in the 2023 Masters. It's Abraham Answer, Bryson DeChambeau, Sergio Garcia, Taylor Gooch, Dustin Johnson. Then you get to Brooks Kepka, Jason Kokrak, Phil Mickelson, Kevin Na, Joaquin Neiman, Louis Oosthuizen, Patrick Reed, Charles Schwartzel, and then we round it out with Cam Smith, HV3, Bubba Watson. So a, a pretty significant chunk of guys for 2023. That number will get smaller every year if nothing else changes. It will. Um, and uh, it absolutely will. And does it hurt harm the event to have them play? No, but the, the reason the majors are so highly discussed is it, because it's thought to be a big deterrent for players to leave the PGA tour and go to live, um, right? You're putting majors up in question if you go to live and that's a major deterrent, um, which is a problem. So you have to now get into this class where you're exempt for majors if you don't get OWGR points, which, by the way, I think is such an easy thing. I I think there's such a clear reason why they shouldn't get OWGR points and why it can – there's a a very clear path. And and even from a a legal standpoint, not not that I know what the law says, but knowing what (laughs) the official World Golf Rankings guidelines say like what their rules are rules being different than laws, you know, you, you have a leg to stand on for sure on why they would um, not be included unless they make some wholesale changes. So uh, look, Hold I, on. I did think- you say the one thing qualification process? Is that what you said? No, he, uh, he, he, no. he, he said it's very clear, but he has yet to reveal what it is. Yeah. What's the one thing that's very clear. <laughs> Oh, well, you have the uh, you have team events, right? This okay. would be an example for me. The live argument is, well, we have the best players, so we should be ranked. But you're playing a different format. You're playing 54 whole events. Mm. It's very clearly stated in their, um, in their guidelines, the average number of holes that have to be played for a tour. So if you play a 54-hole event on a tour – it's okay. You can get official world golf ranking points so long as the tour as a whole has enough 
uh, it plays an average of more holes than than that, right? You play most of your events to 72 hole events. You can get a 54 hole event ranking points. But if every event is 54 holes, that that changes things. Uh, when you have a team element involved, that changes things. Uh, I'll give you a perfect example. The Zurich Classic. It has PGA Tour players. It is an event on a sanctioned tour. And this is also part of the reason why the Mina Tour thing makes no sense to me. They, they, this is an event on a sanctioned tour that doesn't get official World Golf ranking points. Why? It's a different format. So the, the format is the reason why Liv will run into problems with OWGR, not the players they have, not the fact that they're backed by Saudi Arabia, not any of these other things that we discuss. The format is the issue. Uh, and and that makes it very uh, clear cut, very black and white, in my opinion. I actually, um, I I agree with you that the format's the issue, but it's a different. Uh, I'm coming at it from a different angle. Uh, so pull up this latest comment, uh, producer Troy from Kevin at nine fifty five, just so we have something to like kind of base this on. Um, the line of why they shouldn't get OWGR points is just gum flapping. Sorry. I don't think you are sorry, but uh, the re the, and we've talked about this before, but the reason they shouldn't get OWGR points is partly, I think for some of the reasons that Greg said, but the main reason is that it's a closed league and everything else is an open league. Everything that the OWGR measures is open. There's mobility between tours. There's not mobility into or out of live, right? You can't, play your way out of live. You can't play your way into live. And that is so extremely different than every other league that there's a path where you could, and this is an extreme example, but there's a path where uh, you could buy your way into the masters, right? Because you're, 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 um, you're saying, well, all I'm a star. I'll sign with live for, very little money. I'll, I'll pay to be in live and then I'll just get OWGR points because there's no cut and everybody gets OWGR points and I can shoot whatever I want and still get OWGR points. That that's not regardless of whether you think that's good or bad. It's just so different from the, the way the rest of uh, professional golf operates that you can't, you can't, it's not an equivalent thing to be measured against the PGA tour, against the European tour, against the sunshine tour, against any other tour that is within the OWGR. Yeah. It, and we, uh, we've talked about it before. Sorry, Greg, but we've, we've, um, it, it opens up a lot of like bad actors to be gaming the system when you do it that way. Yeah. Well, one other thing Kevin mentioned too, is we need to go back to moneyless ranking. And, and I think that's an interesting point, an element in this because OWGR takes tours from around the world and, and tries to rank them and intertwine them. And this is why the things Kyle just mentioned and why my thoughts on the format are very important because you're taking players. um, Let's use another analogy, uh, college basketball. You're taking leagues, different leagues, and you're trying to decide who the best team is in all the leagues combined. And so you're, you're saying this is more valuable. This strength of field is uh, higher. This loss means less than this win or more. What you're, you're trying to weigh all these factors and put them together into a cohesive ranking system. Well, if uh, the Big Ten, uh, Michigan and Ohio State had the best players in college basketball, but played three on three instead of five on five, 
it would be very difficult to measure them against the SEC, who's playing five on five. Uh, what what team is really better? And how are you going to say that Ohio State is better, but they're playing three on three than um, than Oklahoma State, who's playing five on five? I mean, how do you even compare them? And that's where uh, format, the closed league element, that's where all those things become so important. You have to consider what the OWGR is. And it's a combination of of these money list rankings on all the tours. You're trying to take the money that sponsors are paying into these various tours uh, out of it and, and rank based on um, a, a variety of different circumstances. And when formats are altered, it's very difficult to accurately do that. Yeah, so I've kind of been Switzerland in the live OWGR point discussion. I'm kind of just out on OWGR. But I thought what Kyle said, one point that he made was kind of hit the nail on the head of why they probably shouldn't get points. And it's I had it written down. It's, you know, what's going to happen when someone comes in and buys the four aces per se? And they're rich enough and they're like, hey, you know, I could get Dustin Johnson to sign off on me joining the roster. And from that point, it's like, all right, are we going to, you know, it's Brucey's time to shine. Are we going to give this guy OWGR points just because he has a ton of money? And that just can't happen, right? Right, you can't have right. People- when, when Elon Musk buys the four aces and says, I'll play. And hey, DJ, I'll give you a $100 million bonus if you're cool with me being your fourth team member. And Elon Musk shoots a 110. That's probably generous. He probably can't shoot 110. Um, although I, I actually recant that. I don't want to be... I don't want to be suspended from Twitter. Um, he would then he would then be getting OWGR points, which he deserves, Mr. Musk. Exactly. Yeah, and, and, and now all of a sudden we're determining our major championships based on who owns the freaking niblicks. <laughs> like what 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 are we what what is it? that's it's absurd. Like yeah. that's an absurd thing. And and the and Patrick, the the other example would be um you know, and I think we've said this before, you know, Taylor made creates a Taylor made tour and it's their 15 guys and they get OWGR points and it's a closed system and they all get it for no cut events and they guarantee themselves and every, that would be a good investment by Taylor made. That'd be a great investment to have all your guys being playing all the major championships. Exactly. But I, I think honestly, the, the small population that's kind of against or for live getting OWGR points. I think it's just to rile up people at this point, right? I, I don't know if they Perfect. truly believe they should. It's more just like, oh, this guy has a big following. I could get some engagement from a few tweets from him, maybe get yeah. you know some more live followers uh, to follow me. So I, I think 90, 95% of the people agree. They, they need to change stuff. Like Greg said, there's a lot of things that they need to change, the format, uh, and yeah, having a cut qualification process that there, there's a ton of things. If they started tomorrow playing 72 holes with a cut and some type of qualification system from the Asian tour, like you'd be pretty hard pressed to keep them out of the rankings. Yeah, yeah. Then you could, yeah, I, you can, then they should get ranked right with an open league with an open league. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I, I would say, I would even say in that scenario, way because they have great players some great players wave the however long it takes year year and a half two years wave it do it do it quickly like, like i i think i i don't know what i don't know what people think by the way my new year's resolution i'm blocking everybody on twitter rudy gobert i'm gonna i'm rudy gobert on twitter good for you i if you're if you're a live boy and you're coming at me with 
this like cam smith nonsense and just like if if your intentions are uh just to just to like troll you're getting you're getting just ejected i'm just blocking the hell out of you <laughs> i i have ne- i never blocked before and yeah i'm De- i'm dikembe in 2023 <laughs> i never blocked before and my brother was here for christmas i might have said this last week but and he's like you need to just start blocking people just get them out of your life and i'm I, all the lib boys are getting blocked over the next year I've, I've, I don't block that much, but I am a rampant muter. I mute uh, I'm, everybody. I, yeah. I mute a lot, yeah. <laughs> but, but I'm blocking now because I just don't even want to see it. <laughs> um, all right, we're going to transition a little bit to the PGA Tour here. Any, anything else on live? I mean, we can circle back if something comes up, but anything else that we haven't covered in the last 62 minutes? Uh, I thought you're, uh, you didn't say it, but can I read your predictions from February? Oh, yes. Okay, so before anything was announced, I think you put this on Twitter. I did. You said Bryson, Phil, Westwood, mm-hmm. Adam Scott. Kind of surprising that he hasn't gone. Yeah, apparently he I just guess. does not like Greg Norman, right? Like that's like the only thing <laughs> because there's like no reason he should not have gone. <laughs> uh, Sergio, Kokrak, Justin Rose, uh, P. Reed, Stinson, Paul Casey, Poulter, Graham McDowell, all those. Mm-hmm. Uh, Ro- uh, not Rose, but the rest of them. Uh, Duffner, surprising that he is not over there. Uh, Fleetwood, that was kind of a miss. Varner, Bubba, Matt Wolf. And then this is where it, it, this is the big miss, I thought, was Shane Lowry. He's been very adamantly against it. Yes. And then Terrell Hatton and Rafa Cabrera Bayo. Well, that was a pretty, pretty good uh, run by you. So I tweeted that when we heard the rumor that they have 20 guys, right? So I said, okay, here are the 20. I think it is 13 of them ended up being correct. Um, also, I must have really thought Rafa Cabrera Bello was like a big deal a year ago that I would have even included him one way or another on this list. But uh, yeah, that's that's not, that's why I tried to zoom out because yes, the, a lot of it was what we expected. But then the the Dustin Johnson, the Cam Smith, and the Brooks Kepka, those are like th- th- those were pretty big steals in my opinion yeah yeah again i'm just so i look at this and i'm and and then you combine that those big steals with the viewership stuff we talked about before and i'm just genuinely more than ever before i'm wondering what makes golf fans watch golf there's been talk about the golf courses um but yet we've seen you know, AT&T, Pebble Beach, Pro-Am have, have some struggles in, with viewership before. Also some great success when Jordan Spieth's contending and winning. But is it the golf course? I, I'm kind of leaning towards there's only one golf course that people will watch only for the golf course. I, I really think there's only one. Um, is it the players? Well, you got a pretty good list of players, and the numbers aren't really that great. Um, it, so, what, like, what is it that people really care about watching golf? Is it the accessibility? Uh, and, and I'm, I'm curious about that. And again, I go back to this. I, I know that you think it's the players, but there are good players everywhere that are worth watching. But it's, it's really hard to say how good somebody is when you're watching on TV. Because, I mean, I've seen a range full of players who are not tour players who will make your jaw drop with the way they hit the ball. But on TV, it doesn't come across that way. 
And so there has to be some kind of uh, context. Well, I want to watch Jordan Spieth because he's a three-time major champion. I like him. I've gotten to know him. But it's just, it's a, it's a hard thing for me to figure out and pinpoint exactly why. Are you going to go watch live because Dustin Johnson is playing there? Maybe. I don't know it for sure and haven't seen evidence of it. Well, to just to, to pose a rebuttal, Greg, why, why do people watch the players? Why is the players championship one of the highest rated events every single year? Why do people watch the majors? Well, I, I mean, I'm not asking that, um, rhetorically I, I genuinely am wondering what your answer is to that yeah i it's a again a, a big question for me i think the majors it's clear they're the most important events in golf they uh when you win one you go down in history right your name lives on forever it'll probably come up in a in a trivia episode in 50 years right it, the players championship maybe has a little bit less of that is the golf course a big reason why? Do people watch to see what happens on 17? I I don't think so. I, I think it has to do with uh, it's the flagship event on the PGA Tour. Right? It's a combination of the best of the best. But is so just because you have the best players, is there a specific player that you're watching for? Or is no. it because it's a group of the best players? I want no, to I think, see who the best of the best is. I think it's I think it's the best a group of the best players playing meaningful contextualized events. Like I think that's your answer. Because yeah. what you're saying answer. when what you're saying when the, the you say the majors are historical is that they have they mean something. There's context Absolutely. around them. You know if you know what Tiger did at the majors or you know what Jai Nicholas did at the ma- there's a history there. And I think, again, this is, and I've been beating this drum, PJ Tour has gone away from this in their, in their regular, they've leaned into it in the Players' Championship, and I think you get good ratings there. And I, I, man, I'm really hopeful for 2023 that they lean into it more and say, like, hey, Riviera is meaning, like, this is what it means, and these are, all the best players are playing it. You got to have both of those things combined to generate excitement around an event and you can't do it 44 weeks of the year, which is what they tried to do. And that is frustrating. And I think part of the reason we're talking about all this to begin with. I think also, I mean, we've been getting players commercial since Cam Smith hit his final putt to win. Like they, they market the hell out of that tournament and the same with the major championships. You're not going to find live golf events unless you're searching for it. And I mean, that's a huge hurdle that they have to overcome, but I wanted to bring up another point. I know Kyle mentioned 2025. That's kind of the first lifespan for live is what's going to happen when these guys contracts expire. Most of them are on four year deals. Uh, Let's say they don't want to go back to live. Say they're done with it. Do they go through Q school again to try to get their PGA tour card? Like, I think that's just something that so. spanning out, as, as Rick has said many times today, that's such an interesting aspect of it all when they, you know, some players don't want to resign with live. There will be like, there will be someone who wants to come back before their contract is up like that, that will, okay. We'll talk about that. Cause that's kind of the PGA tour stuff. Um, first, we're going to take a quick break and hear a word from our partners and we're back. Okay. Someone will want to come back, Greg. I don't know who it's going to be. I don't know when it's going to be. But, hey, I don't like X, Y, and Z, or this wasn't whatever, and now I don't want to be a part of Live anymore. I had a falling out with so-and-so. Now what happens? Or 
the P, if you're the PGA Tour and Bryson DeChambeau's four-year contract is up and he will be, my God, how old's Bryson? Um, 27. All right, so he'll be, he's 29. So he'll be like 29. 32 and obviously draws ratings. If Bryson DeChambeau comes to you, Greg, new PGA Tour commissioner, and says, hey, my contract with Liv is up. I want to come back, baby. I'll I'll see you, right? We're good? We're all good? Well, like, what do you say to that? Oh, it, well, it, first of all, the challenge of that and, and the reason for the PGA Tour suspensions is as a deterrent, right? One deterrent is, well, you can't come back to the PGA Tour. One deterrent is you might not be able to get into majors. Um, and, and there are a couple of other, you're not playing for legacy, right? There's a list of deterrents at one of them. And arguably the biggest one is that you can't come back. Biggest one's probably the majors being in question, but you can't come back to the PGA tour. Now, if you come back at the end of your contract, uh, it, it says to players, if you go play live, for a four-year deal, you can go collect $100 million and come back home. If you allow it for, you know, a one-time only thing, or if you, you know how the cell phone companies have, <laughs> if you, you know, we, we'll buy you out of your contract with uh, what X, Y, and Z phone company to come with us. Well, at the end of your contract, there's a little less incentive there. So, hey, Bryson wants to come back next year. Well, that makes the PGA Tour look really good. Uh, it, it makes Liv look really bad. This guy doesn't want to be there anymore. They're paying him a ton of money, but he doesn't want to be there. So, and, and he realizes now what the PGA Tour meant. So he wants to come back. I see a world where that looks like a good thing for the PGA Tour, but I think it's very slippery. Uh, and you're inviting this open... Uh, back and forth where players will leave the PGA tour and go sign contracts to play uh, on another tour, which means they, they can't fulfill both obligations. Uh, and that's really the concern. You're not talking about uh, going to play two, three events. You'll be a PGA tour player where you're going to go play a couple DP world tour events. It's a different game. It's a different deal because of the contracts. So ultimately I think you're saying, you're saying no, or you're putting a, a specific amount of time on how long that suspension is for. Uh, it would be a sticky pickle, certainly, KP. Yeah. And um, you the know, old when you, sticky pickle, the old sticky pickle. And when you kind of look at the players, you know, I, I, I think we were pretty close on who was going to end up going, but. Liv did get a couple of steals, but there was also a time where we were looking around going, holy crap, the, the end of the PGA Tour is tomorrow because it seems like everybody's going. Xander will be there. Cantlay will be there. And by the time, you know, Rom go, like it's all over. Hideki's going, you know what I mean? So, so I guess let's look at the PGA Tour roster, um, where it stands, but also they get this huge benefit of – always new blood, right? The PGA tour always gets new blood because you've got qualification processes from, from other tours. You've got the college kids, you've got all that stuff. There's, there's an easier way to replace golfers when you're the PGA tour. Yeah. And they've, they've started moving toward that, right. With the, with the, um, the, the PGA tour U stuff. I don't know if that's, is that what you're referencing with the, yeah, I'm, I'm just referencing like, you know, the contrast of live having to, go pay for popular golf. The only way Liv can really get 
guys that matter is go pay for them after they've built something on the PGA Tour or on a larger stage at the major championships. The PGA Tour, on the other hand, is just a con. I mean, when you add 25 or whatever it is, just new great players, some of them are going to become stars, right? Mm -hmm. And they just constantly have that machine churning. Yeah. And it, it makes me think about even, I mean, think, think about some of the guys over the last 15 years that have won majors at a young age, like, a, let's say a Spieth in, uh, in 15, how much money would live have offered Spieth in 2015, right? Where it's this 21 year old just won the masters. I mean, that's, that's the kind of, like, you want that young, not really tied to the PGA tour type that isn't wealthy yet. And you can just give any amount of money to and all of a sudden you have the hottest commodity in in golf and i think the the tour i mean listen i'm on this corner of that a lot of other people are on too if like they have catered to their jj henry's of the world for too long and that's not gonna that's not gonna get it done like that's not that's unacceptable as a as a league like you need to get the you know, Alabama stars and the Ole Miss stars and the Texas stars into your system as quick. I mean, the, the Pearson cooties of the world into your system as quickly as possible. And I think they're moving toward that. And I think it's a shame that live is the entity, the thing that kind of pushed them toward all of this. This is, these are things you should be, do, you should be iterating on constantly. If you're, if you're, a, if you're a league like that, if you're the PGA tour and they, I don't want to say they got institutionally lazy, but they just, it, there was some, and, and this is part of the thing is the members run the league. JJ Henry's voting on whether the Ole Miss player can be, how quickly he can be, come, like go into the PGA tour. That's not a good thing. Imagine I wrote about this in normal sport. Imagine Russell Wilson voting on like the draft rules of like, whether, uh, you know, Bryce young, how quickly Bryce young could, could make it into the NFL. Uh, yeah, um, I, I vote for never <laughs> if I'm Russell Wilson. <laughs> yeah, that'd be insane, right? Because you're incentivized to keep player, and and I'm not like that's I'm like oversimplifying that big time. That that's not exactly how it works. But essentially, when you have members that, that are disincentivized to uh, bring new blood in, like that's a that's a problem for your league and one that needs to be solved. But is is there a question, Kyle? Of the value of that new blood, right? The Ole Miss guy. Do we know who the Ole Miss guy is, or is that purely to detract them from going to live? Uh, right. Cause we talked about earlier, you're not a star in college golf until you do something on the PGA tour. So what, what is in your opinion, the um, attractiveness of getting the Ole Miss guy onto the tour quicker? Well, I think the attractiveness of getting the Ole Miss guy onto the tour quicker is your marketability for that guy. If you're the PGA tour is just a lot higher. The unknown is a lot sexier and more fun to think about and talk about. I mean, imagine people like us previewing the season and talking about more Justin says rather than more JJ Henry's. Right. But it, so do you think there's a difference between uh, Justin's uh, coming out of USC and uh, Justin's uh, coming off the Corn Ferry Tour as the top rate, top rated player on the Corn Ferry Tour or the third 
rated player on the Corn Ferry Tour? No, not really. You understand, uh, you understand my question? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not really. I, but like make the churn even bigger. Make it 50 cards instead of 30 or, or whatever. I, I, I don't I don't know. I, I just there are a number of different ways you can do it. And I think some of these changes, Greg, are for not the not um, Rick's dad, but for Rick, like for the hardcore yeah fan right and yeah serving that fan with a justin Suh that my dad doesn't know about rick's dad probably doesn't know about but those of us who are paying attention are like yo this this could be really fun next year right with justin yeah. Suh. and so yeah. i think i think it's a service to the hardcore fan more than the uh just sort of generic kind of average fan I, one thing i want to say about live i think it's really interesting that they haven't gone after more content creators that they haven't gone after more influencers and that's a that's a buzzword that sort of doesn't mean anything but i've been reading a lot about how and thinking a lot about how in the people that have large audiences are going to shape the future of business and we see that happen in our world right like with the no laying ups that kind of shape the way that golf is consumed in some way not you know, not overall, but in some ways. And I think that's going to happen more in the future. I'm surprised that Liv hasn't tried to like bring more of those people into, and this fits in with what I was talking about with Justin. So I'm surprised that Liv hasn't tried to bring more people into their orbit to kind of influence the way things get consumed. The two pillars of defense, or at least the major pillars of defense, Patrick, for the PGA tour have been elevated events. Now, a bunch of them increase the purses, increase the money, increase the guarantees up top and the PIP program and pay your stars star like money. That's one pillar. Um, and then the other pillar kind of being the tour within the tour, this loose agreement that the top players are going to play the same events. I guess we will deter. We will find out. Uh, if that actually is going to happen and how much it's going to happen. We've seen some guys like John Rom be like, man, I got to play all those events. Plus, I want to make sure I play the ones in Spain at the end of the year and this, that. The other. So so we'll see how that actually shapes out. But basically the two big pillars to combat live. I'm probably less optimistic about the schedule changes than most people. Like you said, I think we'll find out here at the tournament of champions, just how strict that, that loose agreement is right. Rory hasn't played in Kapalua in quite a long time. Uh, I, I think he said something in the match where he said he might not even start his season there as well. So, I think there's a, I think there's a clause. Uh, I don't know if this is public or not. I don't even know if it's private. I've just kind of heard it going around, uh, but there's a clause where you get to skip one of the 13 for okay. all the- um, also with that. You can't have more than three players skip the same event. That seems complicated. Part of yeah, the opt out. Do you have to like? Do you have to put in a time off request? And then if three PTO, have, if three so people need- have already, sorry, we're short staffed that week. You're going to have to come in. But yeah, it definitely. It sounds like that. <laughs> if you're ranked higher in the FedEx Cup, yeah. You get what's priority. the priority? Priority. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Okay. So they need 17 of the 20 minimum <laughs> for these yes. elevated. Okay. And, you know, you, you, each guy can opt out of one in theory. Okay. Gotcha. Yeah. So, I mean, look, we're about to start off 2023 and there's still a lot of moving parts, right? And even with the fall swing coming up, the they scrapped the international swing. That was kind of a suggestion early on with the new top 70 uh, for the FedEx Cup. But we, we don't know what the fall swing is going to look like. We're hearing about this clause and how 
Some players can skip some elevated events. I, I think there's still, I don't want to say a long way to go, but they need to kind of solidify things before we get to 2023, which I'm sure they are behind the scenes, right? We're acting like they're just sitting on their thumbs, you know, just having holiday feasts and whatnot. But um, outside say? looking in, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, who knows? <laughs> who could say? Uh, I'm I'm just a little less optimistic since there is some unknown, and we're changing to the year calendar. Um, right. Where I, I, I'm just a little, I don't know. There is a lot of uncertainty, especially in the fall, Greg. Because as as Patrick mentioned, we're going back to the calendar year season, but those fall events, I guess, are still happening. I mean, they're already selling tickets for the Shriners in October, so they're. It, it's happening. Uh, and yeah. it seems like that's going to be priority ranking guys battling it out for, you know, their spot on the big board to see what events they can get into starting in January. Yeah, that's exactly right. Cause remember too, you're only having 70 people, you know, qualify. So there's a lot of cards left on the table for the fall and it creates kind of a uh, secondary you know, uh, uh, you know, the term tour within the tour has been used a lot. And this is kind of the other tour. Can you get into the elevated events? Can you get your ranking to a place where you don't have to play the next fall? That that kind of a situation. So I, I think it's a I, I think it's a smart thing because you're dealing with uh, a war on two fronts, if you will. One, we want to have really meaningful events with the best players. And we want to get those best players an opportunity to have an off season. But at the same time, the guys that are just coming off the corn Ferry tour, the guys that are, um, you know, potential stars in the making, but aren't there yet. Well, they need playing opportunities. And so we have this, uh, this combination of the JJ Henry's to use uh, Kyle's earlier example, the JJ Henry's their vote and the vote of the John Roms. And those two things clash in some ways. I think this is a really good opportunity during the fall when most of the attention is on the NFL, give these guys playing opportunities, still have an opportunity to go win a million dollars, have an opportunity to increase their ranking, their priority ranking, get their card. Any of those scenarios are at play. And for the hardcore golf fan who's watching golf every week, no matter what, there's some interesting storylines that can follow that aren't connected to the FedEx cup, which is in August when you're watching an event in September, which is another problem I think ha has been addressed. So what it connects to is going to be a little bit different in the fall, at least from what I'm gathering. The PGA tour, Kyle has been uh, generally quite reactive in the last 18 or 24 months. Do you envision years. 18 or 24 years, 18 or 24 years, months, <laughs> Same thing. Um, <laughs> that does not make me think that you're optimistic about them turning into a proactive organization moving forward. Uh, I, don't, I don't know. I mean, they, they've they've done what they've needed to do. I, I think there's a the difficulty is that, and I've talked about this. I think before, if you go to if if Jay Monahan goes to goes to John Rahm and Xander and all these guys this time last year. And he's like, Hey, here's the 13 events you're playing next year. 
they they would they would laugh at him right like they would they would be like okay clown go away like i'm playing the schedule that i want to play and so it was the players that had to had to say like okay this is a problem we need to be at the biggest and best events together so in some ways i think the tour's hands are tied um and in other ways i think they could do a better job of working and it seems like they are of working with top players to um, create the best league possible. And um, yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, when you say I'm not optimistic about them being proactive, I guess proactive about what, about improving the league, about fighting live. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, just, just in general making improvements. I think you said something earlier about, you know, there could have been this constant state of, tweaking or, or, you know, updating things, whether it's, uh, messing with qualification processes, whether it's trying different numbers of tour cards to see what works, you know, even, even at the beginning of all of this, you know, we knew live or at the time, what SGL or PG, we knew something (laughs) was coming and it took until 20 guys exited the PGA tour for them to say, Oh crap. Um, we're going to have to do something here. Well, I, I think what I would say about that is, <laughs> yes, yes, that's true. <laughs> but I think what I would say is it feels like everybody's on the same page now. Of It, it almost seemed like at the players in March, Jay Monahan was like, well, what we are is good enough to defeat Liv. And it's like, well, that may or may not be true, but the status quo should not ever be like what you're aiming for. And I think what everybody's on the same page with now is like what I said earlier, we need to constantly be iterating, changing things, um, making incremental improvements. You see this in other leagues, right? Like, and I'm not saying the PGA tour wasn't trying to do that. I just feel like they got a little bit, um, satisfied with the status quo because of what, because tiger was in the league for the last 20 years. And that, uh, covers over a multitude of problems. You know, uh, like that, that covers up a lot of your maybe institutional or um, systematic issues. And it just, it, it, it brings in a ton of revenue. And now that Tiger's sort of like uh, fading away a little bit, I think everybody's on the same page of like, we have to constantly improve our product, our league and everything. Not, nec- not like specifically because of live, but because that's what, top organizations do. And so I, I am optimistic about that and hopeful for that. Uh, I like ending on hope. Hope's, hope is a good, a good emotion to, to end on. But any kind of final thoughts before we get out of here on live, PGA Tour, or literally anything else you guys want to talk about? Uh, shout out Judge Beth Freeman. We, we, we didn't go over that part, but... Oh, the, the GOAT. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> It's been a year. The other, the other little nugget is that next week we're back, baby. Ne- next week is full on six episodes a week, Monday DFS, Tuesday mega preview. And then Greg, they're back. I've heard, I've heard the calls. Everybody wants them. The round by round recaps. Yes, let's go. I can't believe it's next week. Or I mean, in a strange way, it's felt like a long off season, uh, but I'm, I'm, really excited to get back and uh, and it now all of a sudden feels like this is coming up quick which is great because we're going to start off with a uh a home run event um i I can't wait for century tournament of champions i'm i am uh 
I don't share Patrick's pessimism about the schedule. I think that, uh, well, I, I, I think this, I, I'm really, really excited about the elevated event schedule. Get back to me this time next year and I might not be saying the same thing. Um, but I just, I think it's going to be, you've got the four major weeks, which we all know are the craziest, most fun, most insane weeks of the year. Players is up there as well. Now you've got these other, what, uh, 12 or 11 that are kind of in that ballpark. And that, that to me is, I, I, I think that's worthy of excitement and they might not play out like that. It might not go as planned, but I'm, I'm pretty fired up about that. The other thing we haven't talked about is the Netflix documentary coming out. Oh my God. I think over the first, whatever, six weeks or month of, of 2023. And that's going to be fascinating. I I don't, I don't know what it's going to be like. Is it going to (laughs) be dumb to those of us who are in this all the time? Is it going to be amazing? Is how many F-bombs is Brooks going to drop? Like the whole thing is just going to be super interesting and something that I'm sure we'll cover a lot in in the early part of 2023. It, it's going to be a nice time capsule. I remember what we were thinking in the moment. I remember what we were saying at Brookline and what we were saying along the way and all that stuff. And it'll be interesting to see how everyone else was thinking at those little checkpoints uh, as opposed to just yes. you know, looking a year or looking a year back. So I, I, I'm fascinated with the Netflix documentary. Yeah, yeah. The, the the Genesis episode will be a good one for sure with everything oh. going on there. It, yeah, it'll be. Which which player are you guys most excited to 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 view to see on there? Ooh, um, any. So they have. Um, I don't have the list in front of me, but they have guys who are part of the Netflix documentary who obviously left for live. I don't know if DJ is one of them, but I know like, I think Neiman. Like Polter was Polter. or Neiman or something like that. Yeah. So I'm, I'm just, Brooks, I don't even care Brooks who is it is. It. I'm, I care about the, I, I want to see the process, the decision-making process. And because we heard a lot of these guys are really undecided. They don't know they're flipping every day. They're flipping every week. And if Neiman on, you know, in February is like, yeah, I'm going, no problem. I'll see you over there. And he never wavers. Like I'd be pretty surprised, but like, I, I just want to see the process. I think one, one fascinating mini aspect of this is that you're going to get a lot of um, people that don't necessarily, like I watched the F1 show. I'm not really into F1. You're going to get a lot of people that are watching this. Like why? girlfriends, boyfriends, people that just aren't into golf, that I think Brooks Koepka has an opportunity to galvanize around him as a villain. Yeah. While also thinking that he's doing the opposite. Like he, 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 he to me is like, I'm going to, it has this, I don't know if this is going to play out. I think the Netflix people can frame it as this, frame it as this, where he enters in thinking like, I'm, I'm the king, I'm the badass of this whole deal. And they could frame it in a way that makes him look like a like just a complete clown. And to where everybody that watches the show, especially people that aren't really into golf, and it's like, I, I hate that guy. Like, I really hate it. And I think that could be yeah, exactly. super interesting. Super like, just interesting. Like, there's going to be a lot of people. Like, a lot of people. Like, how are they going to know how that? That to me is going to be It's going to be intriguing. It is going to be a treat. And uh, it took 92 minutes, but Kyle's AirPods finally took a crap. So that's what was <laughs> that's what was going. That's what was going on here, which is, uh, I, I suppose, our cue to get out of here. They worked for a while, KP, but now. They're oh no! Oh no! They're- 
everything everything's fine everything's fine everything's fine stop speaking into the mic it's absolutely horrible (laughs) um all right (laughs) that'll do it we'll be back next week for wow century tournament of champions full on first cut weeks starting monday unbelievable stuff big thanks to producer troy doing all the hard work behind the scenes patrick mcdonald uh at amateur status on twitter greg ducharme at the real gfd kyle porter at kyle porter cbs and you can find me at rick run good this has been the first cut we'll catch you next time 